WFAE's David Borex has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. R&D in the QC, episode 76. We talk about the Roval race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. We talk with Marcus Smith, president of the Speedway. And we talk about tonight's exciting business meeting. That's right, folks. Episode 76. It's the end of a long night and day, and only one of us has the victory and the trophy. A throne of lies. You sit on a throne of lies. I sit on a throne of swords. It's weird. Um, so at the end of this episode, we're going to send it to ourselves in the field from 12 hours ago. True. Out to Charlotte Motor Speedway, we're going to talk with Speedway Motorsports President Marcus Smith um, about the upcoming Roval 400 this weekend. And then at the end of uh, this segment, we'll talk a little bit about the race that we had, the much-anticipated scooter race on the Roval. How did they allow us to do this? I don't know why anyone uh, says yes to the things that we come up with, but I'm glad that they do. It was very fun. We should and, have uh, live podcasted from the scooters. From the hot ri- from the hot laps in the pace car. Ooh, that was, yeah. I'm still not right after that. Um, so we'll talk about all of our, uh, our NASCAR portion of the episode at the end before we send it to our interview with Marcus Smith. But um, tonight we, had, we finished up a rezoning meeting from last week that ran over and we had to, to kick half of it to this week. Not a whole lot exciting in there. Not much was talked about. One highlight for uh, some of the longtime Charlotteans, there's a petition in front of us in District 2 on Statesville Avenue, I believe, uh, for Guardian Wilson, the owner of the historic coffee cup when it was over near Bank of America Stadium uh, off of Moorhead near Cedar, um, closed in 2007. I think we've talked about it on here before. He is looking to reopen that restaurant on Statesville Avenue, and so that was exciting. Other than that, the rezonings were pretty, pretty blasé. But but some other we, stuff. But happened. some other stuff wasn't. So we had a business this meeting. This is super annoying. We started it at four. Even even the press. Joe Bruno tweeted out. He was like, "Something seemed off tonight. <laughs> I can't quite put my finger on it, but strange." There was. I don't know that we've had a meeting with that many big ticket items on the agenda all at once. Paired with the fact that it seemingly no one was prepped. Or if they were, they forgot about their prepping. I, I just didn't understand. People were asking questions about things that I know very well. They've been sitting in meetings, like getting. Well, one of them was Marshall Park, on. and that hasn't been something that we've really dug into. So true, I, I think that was fair for people to feel like they didn't have all the information they needed. Uh, ultimately, we deferred that vote to get some more information. We've got the time um, in that circumstance to do that. And everybody was, was That's fine one that it. I actually came around to agreeing with Braxton Winston on. Since Braxton is an avid listener and likes to call me out and interpret my statements, I must say he convinced me 
that uh, that we needed some more time on that one. Yeah, there was disagreement about maybe how the Marshall Park arrangement with the county needs to end up, but there was not any disagreement about the fact that clearly none of us, regardless on which side of the issue you fell out on, none of us had enough information to make a decision tonight. I think my, the punchline on this one is, for me, is roughly 10 or 12 years ago, a, a transaction was made where the city got the park that allowed the, the property that allowed them to do the BB and T ballpark deal. And in return, they gave the County, the park over there. Uh, what's it called? Romare Bearden. No, no, this one, oh, Marshall park, Marshall park. So they, I guess for a reason, and I'll go back and talk to some of the council members that were on then. In fact, I know one of them that listens regularly that I think was serving at that time. Warren Cooksey. Uh, Warren Cooksey. Perhaps we can get a call from <laughs> Warren Cooksey on this. My my theory is they put a um, uh, a timeline ripcord of if you don't do this plan, which included, I think we heard tonight, I haven't confirmed any of this, but uh, a, a deal that could and should have affordable housing in it and should save at least five acres of the uh, park for to be to maintain a park, which also hasn't been done right now, we've been told. Um, but they had a clock that ends the end of this year, the end of 2019. And if they didn't, the city has the right then to claw back or bring back the property into our portfolio. I'm assuming that's so that they didn't sit around on the property and didn't accomplish that thing. So now they're asking us to re-up and give another 10 years. And honestly, by the end of that conversation, I started very skeptical. And then by the end of it, I was like, well, yeah, but maybe they just saw that a timeline was ticking down. If they didn't start moving, at least make it look like it was moving, then, you know, they're yeah. in this situation. And I've got questions about whether the extension needs to be 10 years. But <clears throat> there's not much question that at the end of this calendar year, the city could claw back our portion of that site. Now, it bears mentioning that we don't own that entire site that's going to be redeveloped there's other portions of it that other local governmental entities own but we have the specifically the park piece um there's no doubt that we could legally take that back come january 1st 2020 what i said tonight was just because we can doesn't mean we necessarily should and as you and i are the co-chairs of the intergovernmental relations committee i think that we've got to be mindful of the tone and the 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 precedent that that sets that you know, we, the city got what we were looking for out of that land swap. We've got BB&T ballpark over there. We've got all this activation over in third ward. Um, for us to, to not be mind, well, understanding of, or at least open-minded to hearing the reasons that they would say, well, we need an extension on this timeline and to just say, well, we have the right to take it back. So we're going to, and now we've got your property from before and we get ours back and ha ha, we win. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's a really good tone to set with a, a body that long has been viewed as, as this County and the city don't work together. Well, well hear me out on this Larkin. I, I feel like, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I feel like things are improving you are correct. and, and I feel like that's a very hostile maneuver, but let's, but let's, let's first go back and figure out why. Why was why was a 2019 uh, deadline put on this? I mean, because they all agreed to it then. So there must have been some discussions to say, I mean, because if it was a straight up trade. Well, then the trade would have would have had no strings attached. Right. There was some reason yeah. to put again. That, we that all agree. We want in more that. information. Right. So. So that we'll was get one more thing. information. And uh, that was fun. 
how how minimum housing standards we didn't vote on it but we got an update on it yeah um i mean a lot of what was being said was both from council members from some some from staff in the public forum from uh, ted follett who's an expert on a lot of this stuff was this is good stuff this helps but it's it doesn't solve the problem and in in the case of um some council members they said we're fine with approving this as long as we're not you know washing our hands of it and saying okay well now we're done with it it's something we need to keep the the statement was it's something we need to keep working on so we can approve this as an incremental gain but then we need to keep unpacking it in, in the committee my, my i i i just i think that <coughs> overall i like the concept of what we're doing i don't think anyone can debate r- raising the bar for quality of life for all of our our residents in charlotte is a good thing i, I don't think anyone would disagree with that i i just having this been my first uh a chance to really have a conversation about it today. There's a lot more I'd like to learn about it, but particularly the question I asked was, I asked them, let's have a, a, a trained, you know, solid economist come in and look at this and really give us some macroeconomic views of what are the implications in doing this to affordable housing? Because I have to believe, I mean, it, you know, you can see it in micro cases. And I have to assume at a macro level that when you raise the bar and say, you have to do this, um, landowners, commercial property, multifamily property owners, things like that, that in, in essence, you will be um, reducing NOAA and raising rents. I mean, it, I have to assume that's exactly what's going to happen. And I'm not saying, you know, that, and then we have to make a decision you know, where's the right balance between quality of life, which I'm not at all saying that's not what we need to be doing with the minimum standards. But if we're all in on affordable housing, right, I think we really need to understand the intended and unintended consequences of the other decisions we make to it. So there was a neighborhood development committee meeting on Wednesday of last week where this was, I think, the only topic. And I'm on that committee, but was not able to attend. I was in Knoxville and Nashville as part of this German exchange that I think I've mentioned on the show before. Afita Zane. Um, that doesn't mean I I speak German. Guten Tag. <laughs> um, but I've been told that if people want some uh, some interesting viewing, they could go back to the live stream of that neighborhood development committee meeting, and that things got a little testy. Mm, was Braxton involved in that uh, interchange? Things got a little testy. So <laughs> he's if, the one that recommended we go back and watch. So, so that, if no, that's he was that's gonna, not who recommended it. To oh, who me. recommended it? Someone else. Oh. So if uh, if people are really interested in the housing minimum housing standard stuff and code enforcement stuff, then I would say maybe go back to Wednesday of last week's neighborhood development committee meeting, and uh, and then tonight when we were still up in two sixty seven, we talked about it. Uh, apparently, not quite in as animated a terms, but. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think everybody agrees that it's progress. I think people just have varying degrees to which they think it's progress and um, want to see us kind of continue to push the envelope well, my, on it. My only final point on this is like, for a regular bystander out there who looks at these topics, they're like, oh yeah, no brainer. Like, don't let terrible slumlords take advantage of 
low income neighborhoods and just do whatever they want and have terrible quality of life. No doubt about that. But like, everything it, has other consequences well, too. It, not only that, but like these things are nuanced. Like we could sit and probably have a week long seminar on the different types of mold. <laughs> you know what I mean? So to say you have to remediate mold is a very slippery slope of like unintended consequences that none of us on this council are even remotely qualified to opine on right now. And I don't think anybody was doing this on this topic in particular, but I, I do. And I, I heard this recently. I might've even already said it on the show, but uh, it, it demonstrates, it demonstrates a lack of understanding when someone has a simple solution for a complex problem. Oh, you've been waiting to use that. It's a good one though, right? It's a great I one. I mean, you've been waiting to use it. And, and, and no I one, saw no you one, like thinking in your well, head. I had to make sure I got, got it right. Because yeah. right. yeah. that's one of those ones you mix up the words and you yeah. sound crazy. What was Chris when, Farley's thing when he's like, well, I could put my head up a. Oh, yeah. <laughs> up a cow. Uh, uh, we messed that up. Or like up when, uh, when at George Bush it said, fool me once. Shame on Shame me. On fool me twice. Wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> Don't talk about my presidents. Um, Shrendictazine. Certainly. I don't know. Um, I think that was from so the, the man who knew too little. The thing that, the topic that got maybe the most animated tonight and maybe the most annoying tonight was the convention center. Ooh, that was super annoying. If you want a heads up on what a really interesting article tomorrow is going to be, it's going to be about uh, the uh, convention center. So what happened, Larkin? Can you dad explain it to us? I'm not even sure I can. We we got an update on kind of a new scope of work because we've got bids coming back way higher. There's huge demand on a lot of the construction companies in town, a lot of the people that do various um, specialties in that world. And so the the numbers were off. We modified the plan to to fit more within the budget. We had to kind of reapprove a new budget for the convention center, not largely different than what we'd done before, but there were questions about um, wanting clarity around the revenue streams on the tourism taxes and no, at no point did everyone or even a majority of council seem like they're on the same page with that discussion. And it just it, people were it was saying a circular stuff from like discussion. 15 different meetings that have occurred over the last eight months, pulling random topics out. There seem to be misunderstandings about yeah. the different streams of revenue and what projects we had are, were committed to or just were, you know, things we'd thought were a distant possibility someday. I, if I if I bottom line this one to like the best ability I possibly could, which is not going to be easy given how roller coastery that it was. One, people need to ask questions offline <laughs> and stop doing it from behind the dais. And unlike the Marshall Park thing, this is one we knew was coming. We and every person to a person has had at least one, if not multiple, individual and then group meetings about this topic. So everyone who was like Oh my God, I don't know what's happening. Oh, this is the first time hearing of it is not the case whatsoever. Um, but I mean, I, so if I boil this down to the most basic level, we approved a certain amount of money for the convention center and the overhaul of which I think some people screwed up. They made some mistakes in forecasting, which by the way, we've got a big old track record of that. And it was done at, um, I thought you'd appreciate my point I made on that. What? in the dinner meeting about how 
if the pro if if the old process doesn't yield accurate results, then we need to be changing our process on how we scope these things. You're just like a you're just like a quote generator. Or, yeah, is man. that it? Yeah. Brainy quotes. By Larkin. <laughs> By Larkin. Um, yes. So clearly there's some something we need to fix around there. And it's not just one or two vendors or or topics it's a whole slew of things now there have been some rough explanations to me on how that happened but none of them seem forgivable but also if there's a new cost of doing business in the construction world let's use the new cost in our projections not the old cost yeah but it's not even like it wasn't even a matter of like new versus old cost it's just like drastically wrong like i'm i'm curious like well, did and people lack actually of competitiveness in the bids they're saying because well, and if, that kind of makes sense. If when you're, you're saying, estimating these things, for example, and you say, all right, here's all the topics under freaking heating and cooling or this or that or whatever. They're supposed to be having multiple conversations with these vendors, all of them that are there to get a rough idea on where people are going to be. So they create a range in a worst case scenario. And that's what this budget gets created because for these um, um, construction manager at risk bids, right? They don't go and put the, at risk the construction manager out there until we get to a certain phase. And we aren't at that phase. So we're still liable for overruns, So, which is kind of negates some of the what I thought the, the importance of this at risk process was. But putting that aside, um, a lot of people worked really hard to scramble and bring that number down. There's still additional money that's needed. And. It's, so it's not big, every it's not every bell and whistle we thought right. we were going to approve, but it's all the main tenants of what we wanted to do yep. to, to make the convention center more competitive, more modern, to make sure that it's got an interior connection to the West End, which is really important for a lot of big conventions to have an interior connection to a convention hotel. So I asked for what what, what is what is the ROI? They handed us some stuff tonight, which isn't exactly what I would want, but is a lot better than nothing and what we normally get. And it showed roughly going from memory every year there's a sixteen point six or so million dollar ROI. Um, there's like a seven point seven year payback period um, for this hundred and you know change million dollar investment. So that's that's feasible. Um, from that perspective. And uh, if, if you take that at face value, um, you know, that is revenue we wouldn't be able to obtain because we wouldn't have the capacity needed in the convention center. Uh, so I, I think that while this is ugly, I can kind of wrap my mind around that. I think the big piece that really got everyone sideways was um, what's the capacity of this overall hospitality funding mechanism that we're looking at it. And that, that's not even a question that can be answered. It's, it's more than one question. It's one, how much is in there Two, uh, how many people think they have dibs on it already? And I think that is a, a totally different question. So I don't know. It was just a disaster, but we approved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, only other things I think of note that we approved tonight, approved construction of a new, uh, CMPD, station on independence down independence boulevard mm -hmm. groundbreaking for that'll be tomorrow um which like what if we didn't approve it is that a good thing we approved that um uh, i think that's the only other thing that would be of much note to people so with that um we'll get to our morning activity get it out of the way early talk beat me in the scooter race dude i wiped this the roval with you um, but we had a great conversation with Marcus Smith to start the day, just in case we both ended up uh, 
Targ and I ended up in the hospital in a scooter, in a vicious scooter accident. We did the interview ahead of time, and um, and then he took us down to the track. They had red and blue for for Republican and Democrat fire suits for us to wear, mm. which were very warm. But I, I felt, should have but a I fire felt safe. Suit. Um, I'm not even sure how much that would have done to minimize the bruising if we'd fallen and we weren't oh really it's not at ri- a bruising thing we weren't really at risk of catching fire so no it's more of like a uh looking road the part. rash <laughs> well you're definitely looking the part is primary road rash thing uh, all i'll tell you is uh we had a great time we got some great footage i'm looking forward to the movie being released soon um but i think uh i think my my lug nut was there lug nut if you don't know who lug nut is you don't know racing. You don't know nothing. Rubbin's racing. Um, but uh, I, I went up to the top of one of those uh, berms. What do you call them? <laughs> berms. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, emba- super- the, the embankment. As you'll see in our this upcoming interview with uh, Michael Smith. Um, Marcus, Marcus Smith. Ma- Marcus Smith, sorry. <laughs> with Marcus, there's another guy named Michael Smith. Um, <laughs> Who has Marcus nothing to Smith, do with this episode. You will see that I, I my my knowledge uh, of, uh, of, of racing is very limited. Also, Marcus, if you're listening... Tark knows your name. It's just really late. Marcus is not listening. I promise you that. Marcus, if you are listening, the code word is <laughs> Lugnut. <laughs> he might get that by accident. True. He's probably got someone listening who's going to report back that you called him Michael Smith. All right. So then if this is somebody delivering the message to Michael, <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting sloppy. Uh, dude, I'm exhausted. So we, we raced lime scooters. We thought we were going to have a lime and a bird, but then... Um, Bird, bird dropped bird, out. Bird chickened out. I don't know. I think maybe they were worried that the limes had more power and that the bird crapped the bed. Hey, prove us, prove us wrong, bird. We'll, we'll go to the drag strip. We'll go to the Charlotte Motor Speedway drag strip, and we will exactly even out the weight of the of the riders, and we will see which scooter has more acceleration and top speed. Now that well, their top speed's all fifteen. Now miles that an we've hour. experienced the Roval in some unique ways today, what do you think's going to happen this weekend? We also took some uh, hot laps in uh in the pace car and it's a totally different experience if you've ever been around like done the richard petty racing experience or something you know you your body's experiencing a lot of g-force when you're going around the turns as fast as you can on an oval track but when you're going on a road track left turn right turn left turn i mean your body is just whipping all over the car very nauseating and um we had someone from the city taking some pictures and some video who we thought he was gonna had bark. to roll down the window to get some air yeah uh and I looked at him. I was like, "Are you okay?" Yeah, he was man? not doing well, and so that was fun. He was grabbing for the uh, what's that thing called up here? The handlebar. The handle up there. Yeah, he really. But yeah, so that. Tark went all the way up the uh, the banking of the berm, and then I came straight down stretch. that thing. That was sketchy. I think I may not. This may or may not be true, but I possibly have gotten a scooter now up to the m- maximum speed it's ever gone in the world. Do they world. have them in San Francisco? I feel like someone's probably gone on those iconic hills at like 35 miles an hour. Uh, that's a good point. Like an X Games type person taking But that, is that more iconic than this hill? Well, I just think you could go faster because it's like longer and steeper. Uh, or maybe sounds... not steeper, but it's longer. That's true. Anyway, you went a dangerous speed on a scooter. Um, but at a top speed of 15 miles an hour for most of the time we were on the track, it did take a good nine or ten minutes for us to do one lap yeah it's a good thing it's only a one lap race true but um yeah they were great hosts they've got an exciting race this weekend that marcus is going to talk about a little bit in this interview um and i think it should be an exciting exciting race road races there's a lot of braking there's a lot of um there there can be a lot more 
action, a lot more passing, a lot more bumping, because uh, people are breaking at different points or trying to go into the turns faster or slower, whereas you know, sometimes on the oval, people just kind of get set in their position and, and are steady speed all around, and there's no real braking to speak of. So it'll be an exciting race. It's only the second year they've done it. Um, but we'll let him tell you the details of that. If you if you don't have plans this week, you can get out there on Saturday for the Xfinity race or Sunday for the um, for the Cup race. Well, I'll tell you, I did it. I did it. It was really hard. They made you a legit trophy. I got a legit trophy. I'd like to thank. Uh, you need to post a picture of that. Like to thank oh, you my mom. Post like to thank God. Thank Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, Smoking a hot wife. <laughs> <laughs> Shake and bake. Yep. Shake and bake. I hate you, Ricky Bobby. That's it. You've actually seen a movie. Oh, I love I'll be. I've seen most of the Will Ferrell movies. Yeah, it just tells me what kind of person you are. One who likes humor. <laughs> so, uh, unless there's anything we left out on that. Oh, we were wearing helmets, too. Ride ride safely. Yeah, always uh, wear a helmet. We Lark, only, every time you see Larkin riding in normal settings, I promise you, he'll probably have a helmet on. I wear a helmet when I'm walking. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's doctor's how, orders, though. That's how safe I am. Yeah. It's one of those, like, head-shaping helmets. <laughs> <laughs> An infant. <laughs> it's really tight these days. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to uh, do a reshape job. I see it. But uh, but I do think we're going to make this an annual tradition. We're gonna we're gonna mix it up a little next year. Yeah, broaden maybe broaden plan the scope. more than like a couple days. Yeah, and uh, and find a way to tie it into a nonprofit that that we care about mm. and raise a little money. So it, it was fun, but I think we can grow it and uh, bring some more people in and benefit a good cause. But thanks to Charlotte Motor Speedway for being such a good host today. Center for kids who can't read. Good. We could get a we could get a that to be our nonprofit. Yeah. Maybe. You don't know that. Movie, I do. It's do Zoolander. I do know oh, that. Oh, nice. Yeah, two for two. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, so I just got to get really dumb comedies, and then that, that's, we need there, to go man. back to your your pop culture deficiencies. Yeah, one of these days. Go back into that. All right. So let's send it to the office of one Marcus, Marcus Smith, Smith at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and uh, let's talk Roval. <laughs> Gentlemen, start your engine. That was terrible. I'm sorry. All right, we are here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. We're sitting in the office of Mr. Marcus Smith, the president of Speedway Motorsports, uh, whose track portfolio includes the Charlotte Motor Speedway, where we are today for the e-scooter Roval Race Showdown uh, between me and Tark. But before we get out on the track and potentially injure ourselves, we wanted to get up here with Marcus and talk to him about the Roval race that's coming up this weekend, so he can explain to all our listeners what a Roval is and how this race came to be. This is just year two of this change in the fall race. So how did you come up with this idea? And uh, thank you for having us in your very humble, small office here. It's very un uninspiring. <laughs> thank you, guys. Uh, it was nice to be able to squeeze you guys in. Such a busy week. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, yes. no, no. Um, so, uh, no, I'm really glad you're here, and uh, this is race week. It's um, The Roval is a really fun, unique thing for Charlotte Motor Speedway and for NASCAR overall. It's uh, the only track like it where we've taken the traditional Charlotte um, oval racetrack and brought in a road course element that, um, you know, we create the pun of Roval, and it is... Um, it's really fun to watch. We had our first event last year that ended with craziness and controversy and all the great things that, you know, I as a promoter want to see. 
and highlights. And I think all the fans really loved it because, uh, of course, our, our ticket sales are way up this year. And it's going to be a, a really, really fun event. So who was the winner last year? And then the only two things that matter for you, the race promoter, is how do the drivers like it and how do the fans like it? What kind of feedback did you get after that first Roval race last year? So um, the feedback after the race was all really good. The feedback before the race was all very controversial. Um, a lot of drivers didn't want to do it. Um, they were you know, just really pushing back on this idea of taking one of the most familiar racetracks in NASCAR and totally throwing all their notes out the window and having to come and race this brand new track. Um, last year, Ryan Blaney won on the last turn of the last lap when Jimmy Johnson and Martin Truex Jr. wrecked trying to win. And number three, the, the, the third place car, uh, Ryan Blaney came in to take the cake and, uh, and the trophy. Do these guys have any experience doing anything like this? I mean, have they practiced this? Yeah, so we have, uh, in NASCAR, there are two other road courses in Sonoma, California, one of our tracks, and in Watkins Glen, New York. We have uh, you know, two great road courses. NASCAR drivers are really accomplished road racers. They also have these amazing uh, simulators at each race shop that take them through, uh, them and their cars through every track just as it is built in real life. Do they have to like do a bunch of like curls on the right arm? They're not used to turning right, I'm going to assume, but it's a whole different training regimen. Oh, yeah. These guys, you know, they're, they're amazing athletes. They're, uh, you know, like runners, lifters, uh, CrossFit enthusiasts, and they found that, you know, the better shape they're in, the better drivers they are. Well, speaking of amazing athletes, Larkin, uh, would you have any other questions? I'm more like the Jimmy Spencer of, uh, of this podcast. He was, he was an unsung hero. I love Jimmy Spencer. He was a man of his time, but he was a larger gentleman um, who, who probably doesn't fit into the, uh, the modern race seat, as, as I might not these days. Mm, very sure. talented, very talented, though. But with, with this kind of a road course, what opportunities might it open up for you in the future for things like, you know, the IndyCar, uh, Indy Racing League was held here, but that's been 20 years ago. Um, things like Formula E, which I think would be really cool with all of the city of Charlotte's environmental and sustainability initiatives and all electric uh, Formula Open One car series. What sort of opportunities might this open in the future? And have you had those conversations with other sanctioning bodies? Sure. So lots of cool opportunities. Um, you know, first thing is next year, starting in January, we are going to be the new host of Ford's Motorsports Driving School. So all of the, the, the Ford performance cars, the Shelby Mustang, uh, uh, to, to say the least, is going to be out racing here year round. Um, this is their new home beginning next year. So we're really proud of that. And then when you talk about other series, sports car, the uh, Ferrari Challenge, uh, IMSA Racing, uh, Formula E, like you mentioned, those are all really good opportunities for us that we're building on. And uh, we've had the BMW M School out here. We've had the Porsche driving experience here. And, um, and of course, later on today, we're going to have the first uh, scooter e-race which you know that that's just the beginning it's just the tip of the iceberg yeah i think imagine thousands of scooters out here all starting at the same time i mean exhilaration is the only kind of word i could describe that with bird versus lime i mean yeah. what, what else is spin, next spin uh, <laughs> yeah just dozens upon dozens of sprained ankles when we expand this race next year and have a big field oh, yeah. um 
people are excited about this in a way they haven't been excited about the speedway before Marcus. And I, I, you know, (laughs) no, this is amazing for you to invite us up here during a busy week. We hope that in some small way, um, some people who pay attention to other topics in town are exposed to this and say, what's that about? And, uh, get to check it out and become huge, uh, Roval fans going forward. So, so to tie into things that, might be relevant to some of our listeners who aren't necessarily racing fans. Uh, you guys do a ton of work in the community, and that's one of the things we wanted to come out here and highlight today from Speedway Children's Charities that, that uh, you and your father, your father started decades ago now, and all the money that y'all poured into the community through that. Talk about some of the stuff that, under your leadership now, y'all are focusing on as far as your community work's concerned. Sure. So, like you mentioned, Speedway Children's Charities is our foundation that we um, have a chapter we have eight chapters, one for every speedway around the country, and uh, Charlotte is our home base. Last year, we raised and donated uh, around $800,000 to local nonprofits that focus on helping children in need. There is, uh, there, there's no lack of need out there for a lot of kids in the, in the community, as we all see uh, in different places. So. Um, We've got a lot of work to do, but I'm really, you know, thankful for all the volunteers, all the contributors that help us um, raise money and, and give it away to those in need. We also hire a lot of nonprofits for our events, um, and that's an impact of a little over a million dollars in the community. And that's Cabarrus County, Mecklenburg County, um, Rowan County, all the surrounding areas that um, that come out and help us roll out the red carpet for the the thousands of fans that come in uh, for every event that we have. We'll have over a million visitors this year, and all those visitors have to be cared for uh, by somebody, and our best uh, event time staff are the ones that really volunteer to help raise money for you know, the local band, uh, the local um, uh, church group, or whatnot that is uh, that out, out here to, to raise money. A lot, a lot of years of uh, of charity of giving back of making a positive impact as you look forward to the next 10 years under your watch uh, on on those topics what do you see what do you see the biggest needs that aren't being met right now in the spaces you play um what, what do you hope to accomplish with the, the children's charity you know um i think that there's there's a really neat opportunity in charlotte to create kind of a what i call a campus of caring um We've got a lot of great organizations that do some some real good, um, but I think we're missing uh, a link to bring them all together. And I've seen a couple of models. Um, there's one uh, right outside of D.C. that Joe Gibbs founded called Youth for the Mo- Youth for Tomorrow. Um, it's a fantastic campus that helps um, kids that have just been through some you know unspeakable, uh, terrible things in their lives, and this place you know clothes them, um, gives them a place to live, teaches them, treats them. Um, there's a lot going on in one place, and it's kind of an intensive area. So um, I think kind of a campus idea is something that, um, that we could use in the Charlotte area. Very cool. So one other thing, this is the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and we take a lot of pride in that. It is actually located in Concord, though, in Cabarrus County. But you are, as, as the crow flies, or even as uh, as Tryon or the Highway 29 drives only a couple miles from Charlotte proper. You're only a couple more miles from the campus of UNC Charlotte, the main campus. So with that in mind, as we start looking as a city council and as a city government at our regional transit system, what opportunities have you thought about for what it could look like to tie in light rail connecting where it already lands in the UNC Charlotte campus 
out here to the track and to the Concord area. What do you think that could mean for Concord? What could it mean for, for you guys here at the track and for connecting people in Charlotte to, to even more uh, amenities in our community? Yeah, well, I mean, you said you can get to Charlotte Motor Speedway uh, on a scooter, but you can't get here on a train. So <laughs> we have opportunities. We don't recommend riding scooters on Highway 29. <laughs> fairly, yeah, it's a fairly complicated trip. Yeah. But, yeah, you are correct, though, technically. Yeah. I mean, we call it Concord Parkway now, so you can ride it on the parkway. Um, yeah, it, wear a helmet. Wear a helmet. Definitely yeah. need yes. a helmet for yeah. that trip. Um, so, you know, I think that tying in the uh, Concord, Cabarrus County, which really, you know, starts with the Speedway, uh, Concord Mills into Charlotte uh, with light rail is really our next step to uh, to building out the greater Charlotte community. Um, you know, when I think about Charlotte and you compare to Atlanta, um, we have a lot of opportunities to do things better, and we're on our way to doing that. I think um, you know, bringing light rail out to the Speedway and into Concord is a great way to uh, bring more affordable housing accessibility to people of Charlotte. That way you can you know, easily live in an affordable area and get into Charlotte in a, in a reasonable amount of time. So to, to supply that workforce, I think, is a really important thing for all of us. And just bringing the, the community together with that connection is going to be really important for us to, um, to build on what we have and to avoid some of the big mistakes that Atlanta made by kind of focusing on a one corridor so much, uh, we've got a, a better opportunity to round it out. Very true. Well, Larkin, I guess there's only one thing left to do today. Well, that's to hurt ourselves on scooters. But yes. for people who are listening who, who might want to come out this weekend, give them the quick uh, overview of the run of show for the schedule this weekend, qualifying on practice race and what uh, website they should go to if they want to get more information or buy tickets. Sure. So we have um, qualifying on Friday. We have a, a race, the Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, race for the cure on Saturday that's on the road course. And then, of course, the main NASCAR Cup race on Sunday. We have a big music concert party happening on Saturday night right in the infield. Come out, bring your friends. It's uh, free with a ticket uh, to the race. So um, go to uh, charlottemotorspeedway.com or call 1-800-455-FANS. And I always tell people we've got these great race vacation experts that can help you build the perfect trip. So uh, we've got great prices starting at like 30 bucks to come out and watch the race. You can spend 230 bucks or, or 30 bucks, depending on what your, uh, what your preferences are. You can get a pit pass. I always tell people for the first timers, get uh, a fan vision. A fan vision is the thing you can listen in on the drivers and their crew chiefs talking. In, in other sports terms, in football, it would be like listening to the quarterback talk to the off offensive coordinator and the head coach. If you could hear that every play, it would be pretty cool. In NASCAR, you can. It's, uh, it's a really unique thing. So get a fan vision. Call 800-455-FANS or go to charlottemotorspeedway.com and come and enjoy uh, a whole weekend that people from all over the world are coming into Charlotte to enjoy. 50 states and 20 countries, I heard, are already represented in the uh, purchasers of tickets for this weekend. That's pretty amazing. Awesome. It, it is pretty amazing. And, and there are a lot of people in Charlotte who've never been out here. That's like New Yorkers that haven't been in the Statue of Liberty. Uh, you got to come out to Charlotte Motor Speedway and give it a try. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to uh, wiping the Roval uh, with your large carcass. 
I assume there's going to be waivers we need to sign. I'm pretty sure we're going to need to edit that part out if there's some injury that occurs. Yeah, that's, that joke's not going to land well if I'm in the hospital when this episode The ends. judge is going to be like, you guys were clearly aware of the risks. I listened to the podcast. Marcus, we really appreciate you having us out, letting us uh, do our silly stunt out on the track here. Yes. But spending time telling us about what you guys have going on. And thank you for all you do in our community. And uh, best wishes for a great weekend here at the Roval. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you uh, coming out. And can't wait to see your race. It's got Rubbin's Racing, Marcus. You know that. All right, we're out. Oh,